Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. podcast episode 200 this is shad with matt and brad guys we made it we made it we've been doing this for like almost four years i think i i put it in the calculator last night and came up with 3.8 years yeah yeah (laughs) um unfortunately folks um we made a deal with satan and we have to ritualistically um sacrifice matt too said satan so no get on the table we stuff kimosabi get on the table matt yeah power no the power of christ compels you the power of christ compels you i bought this substitute i bought Uh, this klingon knife for nothing then if you're not gonna let me do the blood sacrifice if you didn't pay anything for it then it wasn't for nothing that was a steal (laughs) i guess i could just (laughs) dad joke i guess i could just blood sacrifice um justin he wouldn't mind Hey Justin, like get a passport. Dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like yeah, a little Justin. bit. I don't want. I'm not gonna. No, I don't like that. Him. He's got kids. We don't like. He's got kids. He does like, have kids. He's but... Canadian, so it would just be maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're actually we're really excited. We we've come a long stinking way. We this is the longest weekly episodic podcast. That we've been a part of. Um, so we can probably we could probably make the claim that it's the longest episodic wrestling or pop culture themed uh, podcast that is called Four Corners because I think there's there's been others but I don't think they lasted that no, near as most, long. I think most of them lasted like 20 episodes. So I think you're right. Uh, we're the only ones that doesn't put a space between the four and the C in corners. So Correct. that's how you know our branding. We've been around long enough that we we've knocked all of those down the Google thing. So it's just <laughs> us. Oh wow. So let's as is tradition. Let's get our shoutouts taken care of right here. Well, close to the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. Save 10% off your order. I have so many of these because, frankly, they are so soft, so comfortable, and I like the designs. And the discount, if you go into, like, the clearance section, you can get, like, $5 ones. Like, I like all the retro logo ones that just have the Collar and Elbow. Like, I have the... All Japan one, the Mid-South one, and the um, World Class one. I love all those. The All Japan one is my favorite, though. Mm-hmm. That is a really cool-looking design, too. I got that one. Uh, let me see. I'm, now I'm looking. It, I don't think they have a clearance right in it. They might have uh, some new ownership. They've they've kind of trimmed down on what they've got and 
like the Ichiban is back. Who'd you ever beat? Their logo T, living the dream. My gimmick shirt, and they put the logo on the sleeve too. But uh, it's not the, um, it's not as expansive as it was. But you know, it's still comfortable quality stuff. So, with that shout out out of the way, we go over to Matt. Yeah, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Orlando shout out. Um, Almost. <laughs> I hope he appreciates it. We appreciate him um, again. There, it seems like wrestling starting to pick up a bit. Uh, lots more stuff occurring in the indie scene. Uh, you know, it's it's coming up on WrestleMania weekend. It would be a great opportunity for Orlando to come stateside and do some shows. Uh, the collective shows are going to be running. There's usually always like a dozen of those shows that that go with WrestleMania weekend. So it's going to be in Dallas. Could be a, a great great location so i would love to see it yeah don't don't orlando don't work cyn shows though it's too douchey you are not the word no it's like what (laughs) this is a really rapey type of slogan (laughs) for you to put i don't i don't get what that is like what who is it appealing to i don't know that anyone gets what it is they that's the point do the guys understand I, I I don't understand it at all. Like I, think, I, I have no idea what they're doing. I think Braun and EC3 are like fine. Like they're, you know, not bad got workers at least to have for your company. But I don't know some of the other choices. Like who's like running it? Maybe them. I, if you mean like who's funding it, I don't know. And like then who's the booker? I, I have no idea. And I think they have done a show maybe. But it looked like it was almost like, like in a like a high school gym type of thing. But I think that was by design because now I've seen some stuff, including like from the the company style. It is like it's just like uh, what's like the fucking stuff that like Jordan Grace would used to say about wrestling. Like it's, it's, they're trying to make it more like this is like intentionally it's like this performance art choreographed like combat or something like that yeah well, it's no she, they didn't use that but it's kind of like that where it's like they're making it seem like this is like almost like an improv show come to this and like it's clear theater it's like i don't I, it's weird i nothing about this i understand it's like it's it's it feels very when i've read their stuff even like the wording they use it feels like it's steeped very deeply in some political ideology i have no idea what it is people the people seem to think it's steeped in kind of like uh, a very right wing or far right or MAGA type of ideology, which I don't think is quite accurate. I don't think I've seen those guys spout that off, but they are, I guess, Austin Aries is part of them and people are not happy with him. There's some alleg- there's been some allegations against him, but I think they're also unhappy because he's like va- unvaccinated. Uh and doesn't uh, want to get a doesn't want to get a vaccine and it's just it's weird it's everything's also, weird yeah it's it's weird and uh, I I am not here for the wrestling as performance art concept because mm. that's uh, how how far are we gonna that can get way way okay that can get like Michael Scott he's got a gun level real quick and. Um, it's not what I'm looking for. I, um, yeah. I don't agree with the people that say it's like super right wing. It seems like it's like off in its own like weird corner of some like. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. 
I mean, I I can't say that I've seen much of it, but I don't I don't think I've seen explicit uh like right wing or even political slogans per se. But it seems like they're trying to go with like a very like alpha male type of thing. Yeah. And I don't I don't I don't mean Monty Brown. I mean, <laughs> no, but the, the, it, I don't I don't see any like political messages, but like the way they say things like it feels like. It feels like um, the, it's very steep. Like that's kind of the way people talk when like they're trying to do something like super wokeish. Like it's not like the same terminology, but it like feels the same. Like that's what it <laughs> feels like to me. It's almost like it's some sort of weird reaction. Reactionary to thing, yeah. Yeah, like being anti woke, but not specifically like right wing anti woke. Just like because you know the 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 idea that very woke is like for, to put it bluntly like I'm, I'm making a statement I'm just saying like the concept behind it is like well woke you know, you're a bunch of pussies like you're, yeah. you're weak that, you're, that's the message that CYN yeah. would be wanting to send you know maybe yeah. it's a, just maybe it's just um the old man screaming at clouds promotion maybe that's kind what of. this is it might be I'm afraid to dig into it because I'm concerned I'm going to stumble across like conspiracy whistle dog, I just, conspiracy theory dog whistles. Is it Flip Gordon? Flip Gordon's associated with it, and I think he's oh, a conspiracy should. guy. I think Austin Aries is a conspiracy it, guy. It, Brian Kendrick's not there, is he? Because um, <laughs> he might show up. Yeah. Uh, you know, you start hearing about uh, lizards and lizard people, I, and I think the, the it's just think, like no. I think no, the no, problem no. Brian Kendrick has is he either hates Jews too much or he doesn't hate Jews enough to be in the promotion. I, I, I hope that that, that, that's not what it is, but I'm afraid to look too closely because I don't want to find stuff. It's really, it's really fucking cringe. Like I was on their website trying to figure their shit out. And like the, the, like the weird, like room concept thing and everything. It's really fucking cringe. Like I, I, it just shuts my brain off. Like it's, 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 and like there, it's very, so it's like it's like if you're reading like like I said if you if you get into like some super woke or like progressive thing and they have like their own language for shit it's like that where you're mm. just like I don't even understand what the fuck you're talking about to understand your point of view because you're yeah. too steeped in your own like code words and language and stuff and it's not like inclusive to people like that aren't in your bubble like that's what it feels like to me That sounds like like cult style vernacular yes that's what, that exactly we have our, yeah we have our own specific terminology for everything and once you're in it then you talk about it that way to keep you from being able to talk to other people that it's are to not keep part the normies of it. out yeah, yeah but yeah. then yeah that's how you build a cult mm. anyway wrestling uh <laughs> well <laughs> that was uh, wrestling i don't know that it is I was it had there. some guys who were wrestlers in it, but I don't know. No, I was on their yeah. website last weekend because I was like, what the – because I think I was talking to you guys about I'm like, what the fuck is this stuff? I I don't know. I, I went on their website too to mainly to look at the merch just to see like, well, what are they – what's going on here? And it I, – I have, I have complained about the WWE and how uninspired most of their merch has been and for like two or three years. This is – so much worse i didn't even it's, look at the merch it's so much worse. i did it because i was curious because i'm like who's working for this promotion how are they like marketing themselves and the easiest way to market if, if you're like a wrestling fan or one of your wrestling company is to try and get people to 
to really like wear your shirts out in public and things like that. And I, it's just, it's so bad. It's like, it's really bad. It's uninspired. It's awful. Like it's so not imaginative. I, I do y'all have like a five below yeah. near you? Okay. You know what that is? Yeah. It's like, okay. uh, it's like a, they get like the cast offs from like big box stores. Yeah, it's like it's, what Big Lots used to be before they kind of became their own brand. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's obviously like affordably priced, but they do if you go in there, they do have like a small T-shirt section where they sell T-shirts with like funny slogans or. or where you get like you know, the off-brand Pac-Man shirt. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like characters you might know, but you know, much cheaper and off-brand. Like if you that that T-shirt section is like a hundred times more imaginative and better than their mark their the control your narrative merch store it's bad i saw their the cyn merch like i looked at it once Mm -hmm. and i came to the conclusion i would never wear one of these ever i just look at it and i'm like oh you know what nope nope not gonna like to harken back I like collar and elbow stuff because it's either kind of subtle or it's not overly gaudy. Mm. Like, I don't like wearing a shirt out in public that's just like someone's face screened on the front of it or something yeah. like that. It's a, it's like, now, look, the last thing that I if, – if someone looks at my shirt and they're like, hell yeah, man, I'm like, all right, cool. But I don't want someone having to, like, try and read my shirt that's – like, they're standing in front of me with their head tilted and their eyes kind of – bugging out and trying to read what's on it i'm like no don't need that don't want it i'm uh i'm actually wearing a collar and elbow shirt today i'm wearing the the don't trust anyone the snake one i think i sent oh yeah yeah for christmas yeah i have that i'm actually wearing one too it's the the their mirror image logo tee but Mm -hmm. they're just so comfortable and they're not a huge thing but But cyn do i have a talent for you Top dollar. <laughs> Top dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I, what an idiot he is. Like it's it's it really says something though what what a moron you are when you say something and you just get clowned by everyone. Yeah, I, I, he gave like an interview or maybe he was just spouting off on social media. I don't know, but he was basically saying like, you know, I'm gonna be a big star. Uh, you know, people just hating on me. And it's like, you threatened to beat up a buck and then complain that you, AEW wouldn't sign you. Yeah. Why would they sign you? Like you, you seem like you have a very self inflated sense of, of your talent and your ego. Yeah. He's going to take 10 matches total, like in his life. It's like you had 10 matches, dude. Let's like, you talk a lot of shit for somebody who's had 10 like, I can count the number of matches you had on my fingers. Look, <clears throat> in the wrestling world, really? You ain't, you ain't shit, if that's the right? Like, that don't happen. You, yeah. Okay, like, Ron Breaker has, has, like, his first match was on NXT TV, which was still a dumb move. But, yeah, he's doing... But, do you, you know, you had 10 matches and got fired. They weren't all no. in WWE. He had like five and got fired. Oh, well, uh, how do you get hired by WWE with five matches? Because they only care about look. That's why. Oh, God. And but I mean, like, 
I always look at with a ten matches thing though. I look at that like stand up comedy. He's still like doing open mic nights if he was a stand up comic. Like the, wrestling to me is something you have to do for years unless you're abnormally gifted at it to not suck at. Like you stop <laughs> sucking like in year like three to five. I, I had to hang it up in year ten, and I was finally like, "Hey, I'm getting pretty damn good." Like that's how long it took me. I was I was okay. And then I got there and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good. They're finally getting the, the the feel for the psychology and everything. And then then I hang it up. If you want to actually do a comparison, uh, Hook has probably less. He has like less than ten, I think. And he has six. Six. Yeah, he's so much better than Top Dollar at least. I'm not saying he's like the best in the world. No, his his match with um QT Marshall at the pay per view was rock solid for like a six minute match yeah it is um yeah go ahead his timing like his timing of his comebacks are really good like his suplexes look good really everything he does looks pretty good hook had this benefit um he has taken the time and done the training to figure out and learn about all that stuff before he actually had his first match which, to me, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. I, not everybody obviously has that option, but the fact that he did and he took advantage of it and did it right is just excellent. Like that's why he's doing so good right now. Yeah. So speaking of Hook and AEW, we had a bit of a pay per view this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so really good one. We're not going to we're not going to like do a blow by blow on this just because uh, Matt did not see it. So we're just going to kind of do did an you overview. See any of it, Matt? <clears throat> I saw only like clips and stuff that got posted to Twitter. Uh, uh, the other guys watched it. I was busy doing stuff. That was not family, fun. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I my wife and I are going to go uh, visit our um. Well her, well, her sister, my sister-in-law, in late April. Uh, so I, my wife and I booked flights for myself and, and her uh, via points. But we were not able to, to book our child's uh, uh, seat. And, uh, through the the apps, the websites, it's a huge nightmare. I was literally on the phone for like until like 1 a.m. And then, and then after being like literally hours on hold, as soon as they picked up, they immediately hung up on me. Oh, that just <laughs> makes you want to. I was like, fuck this. And I just went to bed. Um, I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so AEW Revolution was, to be quite honest, a damn good show. A, a good but flawed show, we should say. It was it was damn good. There were some flaws, but it was damn good. Too much interference, and I didn't like the way the kickouts were very undisciplined on this one because there were two kickouts of belt shots, which drove me up the wall. It, yeah. Um. One thing that I'm under the impression that agents ancient thing is supposed to do is to keep you from repeating spots through the course of the night and. Belt shot kickouts, I feel like, is something that ought to be on you the You should radar. never kick out of a belt shot. That's just my opinion. You should never do it unless you should. I mean, that's... You should never do it unless there is some delay to give you, like, a couple seconds. It's one of those... Uh, 
when I was wrestling, I called them 90% rule or nine out of 10 rules. It's like, this is what you do unless you don't, you do it nine times out of 10. No, um, you, you only, you never kick out of a belt shot. You get too close to the ropes and get an arm or a leg on the ropes. Unless you're building this guy as like a Superman underdog, baby face, tenacious type. I would just like have him no sell it then. Well, you knock him down and he kicks out and he then you get to like start a Hulk up or something that could work. But that's my point. That's the only case when I'm I'm on board with it. But here, let, let's let me give you uh, just a quick. I'm not going to blow by blow this, but uh, just kind of a, a run on the card to. The pre-show, the buy-in had Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. I didn't get to see that one. It was okay. Um, Hook versus QT Marshall was good. Um, the tag House was, of, that was fucking House awesome. of Black versus Death Triangle and Eric Redbeard was, was fucking fantastic. Awesome. Yes. Oh my god. That match was oh, man. fucking awesome, and it was on mm. the pre-show. Well, it was it was a fantastic thing to put there to get people to buy the pay-per-view. Like ten uh, years ago, Eric if that Redbeard. had been on a pay per view, people would have been like ranting and raving about how good it was. I well, we're rant. People are ranting and raving now. It's, I hope Eric Redbeard gets a job. To be honest with you, but um, they used him perfectly though. Him just like, but it's funny that he's only appeared in AEW twice, and like mm-hmm. he's more over than he ever was in WWE because they made him special. Well, I don't know about that. Back up, uh, you know. To 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 go back, Wyatt family versus Shield six man, they hadn't even touched, and the crowd's losing their mind. Like that was pretty over. But if you're referring to over as a singles guy, yeah, or as his own entity, fair point. Yeah. Um, pay per view opened with Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho, which was awesome. Yes, I want to go back and watch it again. I love how he just half and half suplexed Jericho like two seconds into the match, and Jericho just sold it like he got murdered. <clears throat> This what I from what I've heard like the feedback was that this was a very um, all Japan match. Yeah, it was. It was probably yeah. Jericho's best AEW match by like a mile. <laughs> that makes sense because if uh, if you follow uh, Getty Kingston on social media like Twitter, like he doesn't he predominantly just posts stuff like old clips of all Japan stuff like that. He absolutely loves like '90s all Japan, and uh, I felt like. Like the the Miro match, and now I've heard this match too. It's like it's very all Japan influenced, which I don't think is a bad thing. Because if you're gonna emulate like a style, like '90s all Japan is like a good style to to do. It's not yeah. for everyone. It's it's a tough style, but you know, I, it's pretty. I like it. It's pretty impressive. I think this benefited a lot though from Jericho getting in shape. Like his work mm. has definitely improved with uh, whatever he did to lose all that weight. He did. Mm. He got in really good shape. My feed was cutting in and out during this match and driving me crazy. So I definitely want to see it again. But it was still, even with all that, it was still good. Um, next match was Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. This match was fantastic. They made Jungle Boy look like a just absolute star in this one. Luchasaurus looked really good in this one too. And uh, they continued uh, a uh, burgeoning storyline, which is good. Um, war, the the Face of the Revolution ladder match was a lot of fun. Oh, that, that, only... that match was – this this match – if you watch one match from this card, this is the most batshit 
um, ladder match I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, the and we, we go down this whole list, and the fact that there are so many matches on here that are just bonkers. Like when uh, they when they picked the ladder up and Orange Cassidy literally jumped on it and mm-hmm. almost yes. got the brass ring. And then he, he did. He he kicked up on the the fucking ladder. And then he, he skinned the cat up on top of yes. the damn thing. And then yeah. he, but but Taz Taz had me rolling in this because then he falls and he racks himself on a rung of the ladder, and Taz is like he's playing <laughs> Yambag Yahtzee. <laughs> <laughs> and then later they do something he's like, well, furniture doesn't know how to work. Yeah. Um. Oh this god, he was on. Of- him and Jr. Jr. was like throwing some shit out there. Yeah. Like. This this had the own the the thing in the night that I looked at and I was just like uh, but it it's because the guys underestimated the power of Keith Lee. Um, you will understand it if you've seen it. And Orange Cassidy ended up hurt out of it, because mm-hmm. because uh, it was an overshoot. And then um, um, I I liked well Ricky Starks got absolutely fucking murdered thanks to Dan Housen. Mm-hmm. Yes, you see- he got. He got cursed. Did you see the Ricky Starks power bomb onto the ladder, Matt? I did not see that. Oh, oh. he got fucking killed. I don't. I can't believe he took that bump. But the other thing that the other nuts thing is, so Wardlow like just standing jumps onto like the fourth rung of the ladder at the end. Yeah, they've had that in their pocket for two years now about how. Wardlow is not only strong, but he can be like agile, and they mm-hmm. just now broke it out. Uh, it's it's a hell of a match. Uh, next one, uh, Jade Cargill versus Ty Conti. This was short but fun. There was they just kind of goofed around with it. I liked I liked the receipt um, Anna Jay got on her with the the chair behind the ref's back. That's the perfect way to use a chair in that situation. Mm-hmm. She just goes in the ropes, smacks her with it, and that's the end of it. See, Jay, during the course of the match, Anna comes out with Jade Cargill because Mark Sterling was oh, out minus, there. Minus one was out there, too. Negative one was on the ramp with him, too. Yeah. Uh, God, that kid's such a pimp. Um, And <laughs> so Anna's there at ringside cheering Ty on. And over the course, all of a sudden, Jade, Jade, by the way, sporting the Mortal Kombat Jade cosplay ring gear, um, just turns around and just just uh, mafia kicks Anna Jay. Just out of nowhere, Anna hadn't done anything. Just <laughs> mafia kicks her. So Anna, uh, Ty does something to, to fling Jade in the ropes, and Anna just holds a chair up, and whenever Jade hits the rope, smacks the chair, and she puts it away. It's like, you know what? That is a babyface move, and I like the fact that in AEW, babyfaces are not stupid, and babyfaces are, are not there. wimps. Yeah, and I also like about this pay-per-view, two lawyers were murdered in the making of this pay-per-view. <laughs> Because Andrade's lawyer got murdered by Darby, too, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jose? Mark Sterling got wiped out, too. Yeah, Jose. Jose. Oh, yeah, because they put a trash can over his head, and Darby did, like, his little, like, dive through the ropes onto the trash can and, like, murdered him dead, so. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's Jose, the assistant. Uh, yeah. He's a really uh, funny pro uh, follow on Twitter because he <laughs> – Part of it is like he just plays the role of like a hype man to Andrade uh, mm-hmm. on the Twitter account, which is fine. It's it's like very in character and it's funny. But he has also been going back and forth and connecting with um with this guy Tifa Toru Toru Yanu fan account. 
on okay. Twitter. <laughs> oh, um, and he's a guy who like he's kind of becoming like Twitter famous in wrestling communities just because like there actually the is Dick legit Togo meme. Yes, yeah. the Dick Togo meme, which is hilarious. So if you don't uh, know what the Dick Togo meme is, he's pretty much doing a play of like the Dick pick, except it's yes. Dick Togo. Yes, you are sending. Uh, he posts it like when there's obviously like a really uh, like attractive photo of a, a female wrestler. Uh, he'll send the the, the Dick Togo. Uh, uh, it's a it's a gift of Dick Togo. He'll send it, and it's like, because well, you're sending an unsolicited Dick pic, and it's like. It's it's obviously like a play on things. It's very funny. It's tongue in cheek, but not like you know gross and offensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, who doesn't love Dick Togo? Yes, uh, it's the gif actually, is especially great for it too. Yeah, he's a very funny guy. He follows us on on Twitter. Um, he's I've interacted with him before. I haven't like personally talked to him, but he's a funny guy, like good natured. Uh, and he's he's followed actually by a lot of like AEW talent because they get a kick funny. out of Because yeah. He's good natured and like he, yes. you know, he's not mean about stuff. He's just yeah. funny. But they, um, Jose the assistant interacts with him quite a bit. And at one point, he he followed the guy. I, I call him Tifa, like T- Toriana fan account, like Tifa. He followed him for like like 30 minutes. And the guy was like, Yeah, look, Jose the assistant follows me. And then Jose immediately unfollowed him. And the guy's like, What? No. And then Jose's like, <laughs> You know what? You you got too cocky. You need to be humble, and he's like <laughs> humble in all caps. You know, you, and that's become like a recurring joke. He's like, you got to stay humble. You know what's <laughs> you know what's funny is um I was watching Dark before the pay per view. I was catching up on everything, and um they had Lance Archer versus Fuego del Sol, and mm-hmm. so Lance Archer has him on the outside. He puts him on the guardrail. And he chops him, and the crowd pops. And he goes, and he puts him against the other guardrail, and he's getting ready to chop him, and the crowd pops. And he, then he just immediately pulls him off the guardrail and rolls him into the ring and taunts them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> and I was like, that is great healing. Yes, it is. I am not going to give you a thing you're excited for. Yeah. Um, next... Match on the card was CM Punk versus MJF in the dog collar match. This went way, way too long. It it did good. There's 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 a few things they're packed into it. Number one, they weren't doing your standard dog collar rules. This was a pinfall submission finish. The match could have done with going uh, a bit shorter, but part of the I think issue that some people have with it is. If you go from beginning to here, so much of this show has either just bonkers stuff or lots of spot trading or or things like – and it's a dog collar match, and they're having gravity to what they're doing, and it's a blood feud and that sort – so it slows the tempo down a lot, and it's it's a very good match. It just – I think a lot of people felt like it was kind of out of place. Well, it, it really, I mean, I th- I feel like this match was a lot about um, just setting up the Wardlow turn, which got like mm-hmm. the pop of the night. Supposedly oh, yeah. it did, yeah. That's yeah. heard lots so of stories about it, that. It's a really great turn because so MJF wants the ring and he's like, I can't find it, boss. He's going through all of his pockets and he can't find it. And then Punk takes him out and then he's like standing there. He's like, oh, I found it. And he just and he, puts he it on He reaches into that last pocket and goes, I found it, and then he put it on the apron in front of Punk and walked away, and it's yeah. just like, that, you know, Such a subtle, that, un- understated heel, like, face turn for him. Yeah. And c- 
compare that to when um, Damian Sandow turned on The Miz in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know full well that they were telling him, like, you've got to make this big. Like, Miz is going to tell you to do something. You're going to stay in the corner. You're going to put your chin way up, and you're going to shake your head real big. And Wardlow just like, oh, I found that ring, by the way, and just puts it on the apron and walks away. It's It's this contrast of being able to trust that the fans will get what you're doing to me, like you don't want to be too subtle with anything. Cause if you do that, nobody will get no, it. But, but Wardlow, Wardlow had the talent with his facial expressions to, to communicate like, cause he kind of makes like the eye contact with punk and then he just like puts it down and walks away. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. They, well, his body language conveyed, even if you were sitting like, in the back of the second level, you could look down there and see Wardlow walks down. You know what what MJF is wanting, and then MJF gets wiped out without having it. But Wardlow's kind of like holding his hands, like I don't know where it is. MJF gets wiped out. Wardlow does something and then walks away. And you're like, oh, now he like you can read that. Like you, your yeah. fans can follow it. Oh, it was. Um, I did see a clip of that, and mm-hmm. I I thought that that was brilliantly done because it was very much a oh silly me. It was in this other pocket. That dude, that dude is. People have been talking like leading up to this pay per view for like for weeks now, and it's like he's getting the fucking Batista turn. And yeah. it's like kind of yeah, like this, and he potentially has this the opportunity to become a big star yeah. like Batista did. That's that's the the look on his face whenever he found the ring and it was on camera. He pulled it out of his pocket. In in my head, that was the I'll be damned. And mm-hmm. then that that was that was my caption for it. Oh, and I. I wanted to talk about one spot, so they they tease the fucking tax forever. They did, which was great. But then they do a superplex spot, and I don't think it went quite quite right because Punk last landed ass first right mm. into all those tacks. I'm like, ow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was the the tax part um, looked pretty rough. Yeah, but um, and then uh, we're not gonna dive into it too much, but there was controversy someone commenting about punk's entrance um a very stupid stupid man it, even though excalibur explained it right away mm-hmm. there now we skate Meltzer on even but. put him on blast subtly he did. he did behind the scenes like i there was a guy on twitter paul um mm-hmm. I, I know him he's part of like this observer facebook group and i've met him like, quite a few times because he he's gone to uh wrestlemania stuff he's gone to like he i think he went to double or nothing three years ago the last time i went um he's a nice guy he's canadian but he's very he's not exclusively like a wwe fan but he's he's more centered around that he didn't know what it was and he got that caused like a lot of like twitter heat the last couple of days to the point where punk even called him out for not knowing and that turned to like a thing and i guess today the the post trip on that is like punk responded or is like, I was a little too harsh on that guy. Like it's all good. And then they kind of like, you know, made up <laughs> or what have you. But yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. The whole, think... that this whole punk thing, like with the, was interesting to the point where even JR didn't get it. But even the Excalibur did, like you said, he immediately like explained it. I think that the backlash wasn't even so much of like, Hey, you know, I don't know what this, but the way the guy was talking about it, it's like, no, he was doing the what I like to say the entitled modern media consumer where they expect everything to be a hundred percent tailored to them a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And to me, where he annoyed me though is like 
it was obviously a callback. Like, you don't have to get it exactly, but you should understand, like, it was a callback. And you should understand by the way the crowd reacted that there was obviously some meaning you just didn't know. Like, that's what I don't... You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to get a reference to know something's a reference. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about Paul, the guy? Yeah. Who was yeah. yeah. Well, in fairness to him, because the thing that bothered me about it, it was because it was like a thread within that one tweet. And what bothered me that he was kind of dismissive about mm-hmm. Ring of Honor. And it's like, yeah, Ring of Honor, like when it, very early days, it, it was an indie. Like it, it didn't have like good production values per se. Um, but he was kind of dismissive of it. Basically, like the first 10 years ago, like, I started watching it like 2010. It's like before then it was like big, big fucking deal. Ring of Honor, like it wasn't that good. I didn't watch it. He said kind of comments like that. And then afterwards, he actually did respond where he's like, you know what? There's a couple of tweets I sent out about that, expressing that. And it's like, I actually would love to take that back. Like that, that was wrong. It was a, an insensitive opinion. So he, he understands that. And it's like, it's all good. Like okay. he kind of, I guess he, I guess I'd say it's like, he kind of appreciated he was being a little entitled and he like walked it backwards. Okay. Like, you know what? He, right. he like checked himself. So in fairness to Paul, if he listens to this, I can try and post this to the Observer Group. Um, he he did like acknowledge like I was being a little too kind of like up my own ass about. Okay, it. <laughs> so, thank you. All right, you know what? I give I give people credit. Wait, there's far too many people that don't. Um, they won't take uh, responsibility just, and say yeah. I screwed up. Yeah, and and Paul, fair play. Generally, because I've I've actually known him a little bit. Like he is actually a really good guy. Like he's. Okay. He is just like particular about his wrestling, which some of us can all be like we, yeah. you know, we have like our favorites. I mean, no, but I will, it as is long a, as Loki's not trends on, more I'm towards pretty like, happy. It's an underappreciated. <laughs> it is an underappreciated and under like not enough people have that quality to admit fault. Like I, yeah. I, I give people that admit fault like and say, hey, you know what? I fucked up. Like I give I, that that earns a lot of respect from me. Yeah. And I mean. Punk kind of said he fucked up too, so it's it's basically they both kind of acknowledged like that that I, things got blown out of hand. So. I would have loved it if Punk would be like, "I was too harsh. You're a dumb fuck." <laughs> Just <laughs> say true to his dick persona. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, next match on the card was Britt Baker Did not versus like it. Thunder Rosa. This got derailed by interference. Well, I mean, okay. So the the theory is um, this coming dynamite. There's a number one contenders match between Rosa and Layla Hirsch, and then that would set up at the St. Patrick's Day Slam. I think they're calling it. I might have that wrong. Uh, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. A match, yes. there, a cage match there in San Antonio, Rosa's hometown on her birthday. It's like <clears throat> okay, I get that. But don't do this if match. If that's then. what you're building, if that's what you were building for, then we needed a schmoz here. We didn't need like. Exactly. I don't think it's her actual birthday, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you're gonna I'm do trusting the cage, Alvarez on that. If you're doing the cage match, like jobbing here here was really <laughs> dumb. I mean, Brian is wrong about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I met Brian. Brian's a great dude, but uh, I mean, I was seeing online that her birthday was in July, so okay. it's yeah. Uh, but right, she she enough. does. She does live in San Antonio. Um, she was born in Mexico. It's it's that was like one thing when she won like the NWA Women's Title. It's like the first uh, person of, of 
the woman of Mexican descent, I believe, who who was who actually has won that title. So yeah, yeah. But um, so if you're building to that, I would have preferred you do it different than this. Yeah, mm. I agree. This is bad the, booking. Yeah, the the match. It, if and you know what, if it had been someone other than Thunder Rosa and you're doing this, mm-hmm. then it's it's a par for you know it's what you would expect out of a Britt Baker match. This and, is um. This has gotten like the most criticism I think of anything on the show. Well, you yeah. know what pissed me off about it is um she was out there alone and they've been having her do stuff with Mercedes Martinez like it was really dumb when you're like well where's Mar when you when you sit there saying well where where's the, the person that's been part of the angle to even the odds for her like that's what pissed me off a lot. That's about a it. fair way like yeah. Rosa is is a fierce enough baby face that her beating up all three of them, it's like, okay, I can buy that. But Martinez has been involved in the angle up to this point. So, yeah, I'd be like, well, where's she at? That's a completely valid uh, question. But anyway, I was um, fine until the like the 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 second rebel interference. And then, like, that's mm. when the eye roll happened. And I was just like, ah, fuck this match. Yeah. I, I haven't seen this, but uh, a commentary that I was seeing on Twitter was like, oh, uh, they they did the Bullet Club booking for this match. And what they mean, what people mean by that is that it, Bullet Club in the last like two, three years, especially, it's just like interference after interference in Bullet Club matches in Japan and uh, like bullshit overbooked nonsense. Yeah. Where it's like it you'll have a you'll have a match with like evil versus someone. And then it's like uh, three other guys like had to step in and that's funny i call that nwo booking but it's the same thing it's yeah, yeah. basically the same yeah thing. Some... looking at looking at the match times this looks like it got over 17 minutes yeah, 17 was, and a half and this was, I, I don't this think was I not done that. this was not the way to get the crowd back in after like the punk and um mjf thing kind of wore that no, out it, it was a death spot yeah. um because this this match you had high points running all the way up and then you had punk mjf so the crowd's going to be coming off this very emotional thing and they're trying to catch their breath and they're just like oh and you know they were just in a they were in they were in a bad spot on the card the next match that excuse me i'm sorry the next match brought the crowd back john moxley versus brian danielson and this match was great we got oh a muda God. we got a muda scale blade job from um yeah but danielson didn't danielson blade and he only bled for like a couple i couldn't he tell he I, I think danielson did blade but he didn't get a flow going no because mm-hmm. it was hard to tell because moxley was bleeding like a stuck pig yeah. yeah it was hard to tell if it was mox's blood but he had like a spot like over his forehead that looked like it had gotten like he got like a good like soak with it and then it like went away but i think you could see a spot on his forehead he had a little bit on the forehead over his left eye but it didn't really yeah didn't really go um but and then the end of this match wow you know uh, another unforced error in wwe (laughs) releases we Mm -hmm. had the arrival of the one the only matt why don't you do the reveal uh, it is. I think he's being described as Lord Regal versus necessarily William Regal. Although I have also read uh, in the last day that he that he's actually uh, 
trademark William Regal? He trademarked William Regal and Lord Regal. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I, what he went talking about a fuck up by WWE. It's like, how do you allow him to to trademark like the name William <laughs> Regal? It's like he's only been known as William Regal in your company because before that he was Lord Stephen Regal in and yeah. WWE's uh, in WCW. But uh, he came out. He they he because it looked like after the match. Wait, like, Matt. Uh-huh. He was known as Stephen Regal when he was. A man, <laughs> such a such man. A man. I remember he wrestled as just man. Steven Regal like one time on Raw because I think um Sable or someone like introduced him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were mad because they're like, no, we already have a Steve. And it's like, yeah. oh, for God's sake, seriously. I always played the, the he's a man, what a man like <laughs> thing. Oh, but then he come out like a hard hat, like a flannel. Yep. Oh, how long did he do? Yep. He didn't do that long, did he? Like a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was quick. Um, <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny though. Anyway, Moxley Moxley won the match and it looked like they were going to continue fighting, and that's when you had the Regal debut. And he basically was like, yeah, getting both of them to stop. But he like goes up and he just fucking slaps John Moxley, and John Moxley looks like he's gonna like he's like stunned. And looks like he's going to want to maybe like swing a punch at Regal and Regal just like stares him down and even does like a short. I, it's almost like a headbutt. It was really more like the I'm going to put my forehead to you and yeah. like move it across your forehead. It's like a like a, almost like a like fucking do it like hit me yeah. or, or hit me or stand down. Like that's basically what that was. And Moxley is bleeding like a stuck pig. So when he does that, like Regal's forehead is now all bloody with not yeah. his blood with Moxley's blood. And then Brian Danielson He's is standing like, there po- laughing. Yeah, pointing and laughing. And then Regal walks up and he fucking slaps him hard across the face. And and Daniels Danielson's face, his facials are so good because he's like shocked and he gets a look of almost like when you scold a child, like the supreme like disappointment where it's like, I don't know what I did wrong. Like, why are you mad at me? It the facials, it's like when you yell at a puppy and yeah. the puppy gives you that look. This brief exchange, I've seen this because uh, they, they people posted this clip. It's only like 30, 30 seconds maybe. But this mm-hmm. exchange was absolutely brilliant, and it adds so much more of a dimension to this. Like it went true to their character. Brian like Danielson's being kind of like a dick mm-hmm. until like Regal puts him in his place, Regal being like an old mentor of his. Yep. And I Moxley's, posted that match from like 2000 of them having yeah. a match. Yeah. Moxley also kind of like has been mentored by Regal. And he like, again, true to his persona, it's like he wants to, he kind of like wants to fight Regal now because he hit him. But he also like, I'm going to, I respect this man. I don't know what to do. And they both kind of like left with him. And he basically, mm-hmm. he caused them to shake hands. He got them to shake hands. Mm-hmm. And it's such a world of, of opportunity and possibility with this. People are, you know, gaming out how they think things are going to go because it, it it does appear that now regal uh is going to be forming a faction of sorts with moxley and danielson as kind of like a coach as a mentor as a leader of things and that you may have a moxley danielson like tag team which would be amazing and i saw someone yeah. on twitter someone on twitter goes like they should name themselves the violent gentleman league and i'm like Oh my God! This is all I want now. I want them to be the violent gentleman. Uh, 
but we we may see a stable we may see like a stable formed because daniel has danielson has talked about doing like a dojo type of thing and yeah. Regal obviously has a history of being a mentor and coach to things. He that's a brilliant signing. It's a brilliant signing because you can have him play an on-ear role and people respect him, people know him. But behind the scenes, you can have him be like an agent, a, a coach. Uh, he, it, that's such, it's such a coup that that Tony Khan got him, and it's like such an unforced error by the WWE. It's knowledge mm. erosion, like <laughs> yes, yeah. Look, she already has good, uh, good teachers so far, but now imagine like like someone like Jade can sit down and, and with with Regal, who I think has worked with a lot of the women in NXT and been like, and 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 he can be like, all right, let me let me teach you a few things. Like, yeah. she's only gonna get better. The and that also uh, means, another thing that also means when Tajiri comes to visit, you can use him on the car. <laughs> Another thing that I just I saw this and I was so happy to see it. William Regal had his trademark sneer on. His yes, face. I love I, I modeled think... my heel sneer after William Regal's because it's so good. I think Tony Khan probably wrote that into the contract. It's like, OK, you have to sneer. <laughs> you can to sneer. 50 percent of the time you're on camera. I need a sneer on your face. And he goes, very good. Um. Apparently, Tony Schiavone did not know that Regal was there until yes. Regal walked out, and he greeted William Regal with the phrase, you kayfabe and son of a bitch. Yes, I saw that story, <laughs> and I loved it. It's It was beautiful because it kind of goes – it fits in with the whole Tony Schiavone finding – refinding his love for pro wrestling mm-hmm. because he got to see an old colleague in, in William Regal uh, from his WCW days, and I, it's nothing but like warmth from Tony. It's like, oh my god, he's son of a bitch. Should have told me <laughs> you're coming in. Why are you not telling me? Yeah. So this match was I this match. Um, oh God, there's so many good matches on this show. The next one it feeds into is another crazy one. This was the six man between the uh, Andrade Hardy front office was Andrade Alito, Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy versus Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and Sting and mm. Can we just oh, say what made me sad about please. this match? Made you sad? Yes. Sting What's so that? shocked the crowd that he did not get a holy shit chant for mm. basically jumping off a balcony and going through three tables at 62 years old. Because, <laughs> like, they're – cause they so they're doing this brawly stuff, and it's like Hardy and him are, like, kind of teasing some stuff up, up top. And I'm like, oh, it's nice that the old men, like, paired off so they don't have to do anything crazy. And then things start working out, and he climbs up on the balcony. I'm like, oh, shit, he's going for it. And then he and went he, for it. He did. And I I sat there watching it, and I thought to myself, Sting. There ain't, I thought they were going to tease putting Sting through it. But then he got up there, and I'm like, Sting, there ain't no way, man. Come on, there ain't no – and then he did. I'm just like – you can just saw the uh, look on his face, and he's just like, fuck it, if I die, I'm leaving a beautiful corpse. <laughs> that was – he did that and got up afterward. Like, that was that was to take um, – <clears throat> did that take cast – that didn't take Hardy out. No, that no, was I Andrade think, he took out. Okay, it took out Andrade so that uh, they could have uh, – I think it was Darby and Cassidy finish the match out. Yeah. But, uh, you know – as we have said before, Sting's not human. My my joke was, and it's like, 
RoboCop didn't come to help Sting because he was a cop. He came to help Sting because Sting was the next cyborg in his well, lineage. They asked him in the post thing about it, and he's like, well, you know, it's like, yeah, I was a little nervous, but, you know, adrenaline, and then the crowd starts cheering, and you just do it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, you're insane. No, because my wife was, I like, my wife just got a text. I'm like, holy fuck, Sting is insane. Yeah. And it's, it's I... it really says, though, that this is a really great pay-per-view, and the 62-year-old man stole the entire show by just being a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, the 62-year-old man was one of the high points. I don't. Like, I don't know what he has to. He's trying to prove to people. It's. But he has kind of proved something to me. It's like I. He is now cemented as like my greatest of all time, and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he's like the best worker ever. He's my personal favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Honestly, I don't think he's trying to prove anything. I think he's just having a fun time, and he was just mm-hmm. like, he's just like, screw it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I, I'm gonna agree with Brad. He's just going for it. And then we go into the main, which, I, like, they put that six man right before this to hype the crowd up, which is a great placement. Um, we had Hangman Page versus Adam Cole, and you know the whole arena's cheering for Adam. And, uh, you know, really wanting Adam to come out on top. But it, we're at a point where the, the with this match, the smarky chance added to the charm of it. Well, they 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 went to Hangman and Cole eventually, like when they got eventually. Warranted. Yeah. But I, I we have to talk about a discussion during this because Shad got a little worked um, on the entrances here because mm-hmm. Adam Cole came out cosplaying. Um, oh, yeah. Master, Master Chief. Chief. And he really did it in a douchey way. And Shad's like, I don't like this. I'm like. He's it's part of his character. He's a douchebag and he's doing a douchey. Cosplay. And I was like, I was like, I got worked into a shoot, brother. Yeah, um, that's true. He came out with Master Chief Spartan armor on. Now, my favorite spot of this match was when Paige bombed him right onto the apron. OK, because that was I, I think that got a, a visible like, oh, like that looked like it hurt. My favorite favorite part of this match the ending sequence was my favorite part like there was a lot of cool stuff that happened we did have um interference show up but it didn't affect um, the outcome right but you know towards the end of the match so in the build-up um uh, not the uh elite but i forget i'm drawing a blank which term they're using whatever they had duct taped Hangman Page's arms to the ring ropes, and Adam Cole had super kicked him a bunch of times. Hangman Page takes his belt and ties Adam Cole's arm to the top ring rope and starts super kicking him as payback. And apparently, it kind of got to the point where the crowd kind of started to turn on it, but I loved it. Well, I like that he uh, did. Um, part of the finishing sequence was him hitting Cole with one of his own moves, too. Oh, yeah. He. Uh, he needed ab- the back of the he, head. He boomed Cole, yeah. yeah. Um, pulled the knee pad down and everything. And then, uh, did he buckshot him and then do that? No, or he, did he do that I think and then he buckshot did it, him? I think he did it and then buckshot him. It yeah. was it was some sequence of that. It, it he, was... I was... I, I'm going to admit, like, I... I, I um... I drug my ass through, like, the last hour and a half of this because I was dead tired, but I was going to finish this. Yeah. Even the dogs gave up and were like passed out by <laughs> the end of this. 
But the ending sequence on it was the perfect babyface gets revenge sequence. It was excellent. I loved it. Sting. It's just with all the crazy stuff that happened, the crowd was tired at that point. Yeah. Sting Sting being a maniac is the only thing that got me through the end of this because that gave me <laughs> enough energy to get through. Uh, <clears throat> Damien also didn't uh, like the, the Halo cosplay. Um, can I... <laughs> Just as an aside, like I've heard good things about this match. People liked it, and there are people even who like were disappointed that Paige won. They wanted Adam Cole to win. No, it's like, can you? Can we just settle this? Can everyone just stop bitching that Adam Cole lost an unsanctioned match to Orange Cassidy? Because I cannot tell you how many people like like hardcore AEW people was like, well, he shouldn't have lost a match to Orange Cassidy before the pay per view. It's yes, yes, I know conceptually. You but it doesn't count. One, yes, you don't know. Well, I know conceptually you don't want your number one contender losing, but it didn't count in terms of rankings. And it was it was in a match that was like a basically like a garbage match that it especially didn't count because it was all contrived. It's like, stop it. Like in Orange Cassidy is actually like a star. It's not as if he went out there and some scrub beat him. I I also yeah. disagree with that philosophy because sometimes having your number one contender drop a match going into a title match that they then win. Oh mm. my God. It sets up a program. Yeah. Yep. The oh. one thing, I, the one thing to that, I would say I would, I would give some criticism to is that the buildup for page, uh, versus Cole did seem a little rushed because you did have like a month or two long pro program, uh, between like the elite guys, against like the best friends like that they were like kind of feuding and you you dicked around with that for a while while you had adam cole uh, sorry adam page uh russell danielson and uh archer and stuff like that so like then you as soon as you got done with those you moved him into that so it, it kind of got abbreviated there but they don't but they that's, don't that's really like a timing do thing. they don't really do like longish programs like that though they yeah. tend to like their title matches to be like like their their title matches are very sportsish. Like it's it's about okay, you're the contender. Let's get this match on the road. We'll have some issues going on. Okay, we're moving on. They do yeah. so they they do two things because they have only they only have like four pay per views. So there's only about three months or so in in between each one. <clears throat> so programs really only last like once the pay per view matches end. A new program can start, but you're never not really going to have it longer than that. It's not like it's not like a WWE where it's like guys can be feuding for six months and you see the same match over and over again. And nothing for their gets six resolved. Months. Yeah, and nothing gets resolved. Uh, they either do that where it is like like a prize fight where it's like, OK, uh, champion one time for the next challenger. And then it's maybe like a couple month build or it's incredibly long, detailed slow burn storylines because like goes the, away and comes back and like yes twists like the around. war the wardlow turn has been building since like two years ago like day one yeah well i mean it's the, been hardcore like they've been like mm-hmm. like having issues with stuff like back all the way to last summer too yes yeah so it's it's that's like that was more like a slow burn thing that, that's what it is it's either like done consistently within a couple months or it's a really slow burn that's lasting like a couple of years. Um, and those yeah. are actually the better ones, but that's fine. Not, not everything needs to go six months. Sometimes you just need to have like a couple weeks to get you from point A to point B. Like, mm-hmm. 
and that's there's some memorable feuds in that like the the hurricane rock stuff was maybe three weeks yep and so you know you need that sometimes that's where wwe goes wrong is all of their stuff is like long form now because they're just Mm -hmm. content generators so they just do filler yeah and so things just drag out forever that's the danger of doing long programs is that you're going to have somewhere along the way you're going to drag ass and you're Mm going to have filler in there and that's going to start turning people off but with shorter ones you you can hit like the cool stuff and sure maybe you you skip over a couple of beats that would be nice here or there but eh you know that's 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 okay too like there's not a perfect like you know the perfect feud is five is five weeks of build going into the paper it, you know there's not a perfect way to do it well and it keeps it you varies. guessing you never you never quite know what an AEW program is going to do right and that's part of the fun is AEW has found a way to both be kind of predictable and unpredictable at the same time yeah so you know what like we knew full well that Sting, Darby, and Sammy were winning that match going into the main. Like, that was the feel-good build going into the main event. But, see, I liked about that the title. That didn't make it any less fun, though. I liked about the main event, though, is that I truly did not know who was going to win. And it would have been less good if they, for me to watch if, they, if it was overly choreographed that Cole or Paige was going to win. Like, I had doubts in both directions, and they, mm-hmm. they did a good job of, like, working on that. And I don't... I think the fact that Paige won is better than Cole winning because Cole winning would have been slightly predictable in like the WWE sense. I think that um, I, I like Paige winning because, frankly, with as long as a build they had to make him champion, it's like you've got to give him like strong defenses to ju- you know to and, to justify that build. And I think too though if you're AEW, you have to be really conscientious of how long Cole had the NXT title because that fatigue oh, yeah. is going to carry over. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. Um so and Cole can take the loss. He can come back and win the title like Yeah. 3 or 4 months down the road or 6 months down the road. It's not like a loss kills him. Yeah, a loss hurts a heel less, I think. It depending on the kind of heel it is. But if AEW really could show. Like if you're if you have an opportunity to watch it, I fully recommend it is worth your time to watch. You know, heck, most of the pre-shows worth your time to watch too. It is it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so then we had one other thing that we kept, we kept teasing we were going to get to. Can I before that? Oh, can I step yes, in Matt, real quickly? Go ahead. Uh, so it was like, uh, like kind of like the fan fest associated with uh, Revolution. Um, they Jazzwares, who does the toys for AEW, actually yeah. uh, they they did they announced like a bunch of actually new figures and they showed uh, they showed prototypes for most of them, and the lineup is amazing. Um, I just want to run through them really quickly. You have Sean Spears. Uh, you have Red Velvet. I was like shocked about that. You have a Jade. You have some of Team Taz with Taz, Ricky Starks. Uh, he has to get a variant too. Um, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. You have Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. You have an Eddie Kingston. You have a it actually new Christian figure. You have Thunder Rosa. She's got a, a variant too, like a Chase. Um, Brian Cage, a new uh, Wardlow figure with like a different attire. You have an Adam Cole, 
you have Punk both uh, in his short <laughs> tights and with the long boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a couple of uh, – you have a new Miro, a new Jungle Boy. You have an Andrade. You have Hook. Hook's got to get his own figure. Um, Ruby Soho. Uh, you have a Brian Danielson. You have a Kenny Omega when he was like one of his – part of his uh, – during his like championship run, but he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt looking really yeah. douchey. <laughs> you have that. Um, you have – uh, you have some what's called uh, – I think they're calling them uh, Supreme figures or something like that. They're more like the Ultimate Edition WWE figures. They're probably going to be more expensive. But you have Cody in a suit. You have a Burt Baker one. You have an awesome Malachi Black one. Uh, and then the figures that I thought were really cool, uh, Owen Hart. They've mentioned that a while back. They don't have a prototype for it, but that's coming um, a Y2J as Lionheart when he was doing the Lionheart stuff at the very beginning of his career. Like, that's nice. a figure that's coming out. Uh, and the most feel-good one is they're doing a two-pack with uh, with Brody Lee and his son, Negative One. His son actually gets an action figure. That has actually already been put up uh, on ringside for sale. I'll probably get it eventually, but it's like 60 bucks. Yeah, yeah, you get screwed on two packs with action figures. Well, and ringside collectibles, like I've I have actually ordered stuff off them, but they do a significant markup uh, on stuff. Um, I I this, looked at that and it's like this is there's an Eddie Kingston and then the the Brody and Negative One pack. I'm like, there are actually action figures that I would want to buy. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking like, huh, I could see getting Powerhouse Hobbs and um Thunder Rosa. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm collecting pretty much all of these um so I'll, i'm <laughs> i saw this and i i, I sent it, i sent uh <laughs> i sent a message to justin with have you ever seen tiger king there's a clip from tiger king where it goes i'll never financially recover from this and it's like yeah. i sent the clip of that to, to justin and i'm like <laughs> oh my god so many AEW figures yeah that is a lot. Um, yeah it's, so, it's a lot, but it's really exciting. So, so we we do have a side topic tonight. So we are finally doing the Tupelo Concession Stand brawls. So we have we have three matches coming at you tonight. So from 1979, we have Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee versus um, Wayne Ferris and Larry Latham. I think they were called the Blonde Bombers. And yeah. then from 1980, I think it was. I don't think it was 81. It's Eddie Gilbert and Ricky Morton versus. Um, Onita and Masafuchi, and then from I think like '91 or '92, it's the Moon Dogs versus Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett. And don't so, ask me which two Moon Dogs, other than Spot. Uh, Spot and Rex, I thought. Okay. But so it, it's I, I put down some notes in this. Um. I, there there's some recurring themes that you're going to see. And one of them is I do love how these had to be like other people had to come out and physically break these guys up. Well, I liked them. Um, Matt was watching the first one. I was like, what did these belts do to build a D? Yeah. <laughs> so okay, first off, when I saw this and it's like, Oh, they're um, it's, it's build on D and, and Lawler and they're feeding, they're facing, um, Latham, who I didn't know about. I know it, apparently he became a moon dog, but the other one is is Ferris. They just keep referring to him as Fer- uh, Lance Russell keeps referring to him as Ferris. And I'm like, that name seems like familiar, but I didn't know who it was because it's got bleach blonde hair. And then I I looked it up and I'm like, oh my god, it's Honky. Yep. 
It's the honky tonk man as a yeah. blonde, and he is just getting the shit kicked out of him, and he's kicking the shit out of these two guys. Yep. And so the I guess they they, they were a tag team as the blonde bombers. Yeah. And they 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 won the tag titles here, almost like where the ref was distracted, but it happened. And then it's just a fucking it's on. Like it's, it's already riot. like a bloody it's a bloody brawl before, and then it just mm-hmm. gets like increasingly insane. It's just mayhem because. There's blood flying everywhere, and then Bill and D just starts taking the belts and fucking winging them at them. Like he at one point hits Honky in the face with the belt, the metal side of the belt, like full force. And I'm like, how the fuck did that not like hurt him really bad? He's just swinging it. It was insane. He was beating those belts like they owed him money. Yes. And it was Dundee. Not only the belts. But, I mean, Dundee was laying it in. And, and I mean, of course he was. I mean, once, you, once you get outside the ring, I mean, you're going – you have to. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's like – so, like – but Lance Russell, like, telling, like, the crew, like, on air, like, also adds, like, a certain element of, like, realism to it. <laughs> it's like, we'll I, edit it in post. God, just get down there. Yes, my my favorite part, I I think I messaged you guys. It's like my favorite part of Lance's commentary is just his commentary to the ring crew. He's like, like oh, you gotta get that shot. Oh, it could this so stream of conscious like in the moment. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, like oh, well, the cord's hung up on this. I can't go. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, okay, it's really behind the scenes. But then he's talking about how like getting the shot and he's see what they can tape for the. Yeah. The but TV it, show the next day. But it makes I have it a makes note it in here. It makes it real though Lance, because they're scrambling to like mm-hmm. get yeah. it. Lance Russell's production notes are great. I wrote that on my page. <laughs> but so when we get into like the actual concession stand, they're just like throwing food at each other. There's like mustard and ketchup just everywhere. Um, that that like there's they're, police holding the fans back. Like they're beating the hell out of them, and it's a small room. It's yeah. small. It's it is an open sided, like old school concession stand, mm-hmm. and like everything's in the on the back wall is where they've got the uh, the the big uh, they're not really coffee pots but you know the big containers and the, you know that's that's where they're they're cooking up the hot dogs and that and they are grabbing every damn thing that's back there and just winging them into each other and they're throwing I, each other into the ice machine yeah. The the second concession brawl, which um, I know I'm jumping for just a second, but it it it, pay, it plays into this. Oh, and the condiment thing, I got to get that line too. But they're brawling. It was uh, Ricky Morton and Eddie Gilbert versus Masafuchi and Atushi Anita. Eddie Gilbert turns around and grabs something from underneath under the counter, and it looks like it's brown cardboard, and I mean just wings it at Onita, and it hits. And nap, it's napkins fly out of It was one of those old school, like when I was in um, elementary and middle school, they would put the napkins in these brown wrappers to for like, I don't know, 100, 150 count or something. He just reached back there and grabbed one of them and just chucked it and hit him with it. It's like he's hitting him with napkins because that's what he happened to lay his hands on. But what I love, too, though, is so then so then. Lawler and Dundee have like beaten them up enough. So they like they exit the concession stand. But Jerry Jarrett, who is the promoter, was out there trying to break it up. And then Latham and Ferris just start laying into him and like ripping his clothes off and stuff. So Lawler mm-hmm. and Dundee actually have to come back and beat them up more to save yeah. Jarrett yeah. from them. 
Uh, by the way, I, this is something I noted like the very first few minutes before it turned into like a pure six brawl. Is that no one can quite throw punches like Dundee and Lawler could back in the day. Mm. Like their their worked punches are fantastic. Um, Matt, mm-hmm. those those ain't worked. Oh, okay, they're they're <laughs> well, laying that shit in. <laughs> Maybe that's why it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. That's why uh, when I'm, we did that, I'm list. watching that, sitting here thinking to myself, going. Oh, they're going to feel every bit of that here in about a half hour. That, that's why I got pissed off at that list when they had Jerry Lawler's fist drop on, like, the worst moves ever. It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. No. And he had no idea what he was talking about. So then we get – so this one – this one I – this one they played on TV, I think, for, like, three weeks straight when um, they did this. Did so I sent you guys that um, if we could talk about it just really quickly, there was a like a, a I don't know if it's kayfabe commentary, but it was a shoot interview that someone did with with uh, Honky mm-hmm. with Ferris. And there's a clip that's out there on YouTube. Um, it's easy to find. I actually found it because when I watched this first Tupelo concession brawl video, it kind of came up like as a suggested video. Um mm-hmm. From that, and I just watched it because it was only like five minutes, and it was him talking about this. And now, again, this is like his story, so it may not be 100% historically accurate, but I want to believe kind of it was. He's, he was basically he's saying, off. He's off on his timing. He's not necessarily telling. He's not. He's because I've seen the TV around this, and mm-hmm. there might be like a week missing before this, but like he his timeline is off by like two weeks, like. Because, okay. like, right after this, when he's talking about Danny Davis and, like, the combat fatigues, I think that happens, like, right after this from my recollection of the TV. <laughs> but, I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's talking about something at, at that point that had happened, like, 30, yeah. 40 years ago. So, I mean, if he's off two weeks, I mean, that's not an inaccuracy. His, his memory's just Yeah, just okay. So, the story he was telling, then I, I can probably take it as, like, it's it's largely truthful versus, like, being entirely embellished. Like he might be right. Yeah, you're right. He might be wrong with the timeline of things. But he's basically saying that uh, at that point in time, uh, was it Jarrett? Jerry Jarrett who was running things? I think he yeah. was, right? Yeah, Jarrett was. Yeah, he basically said that like uh, like all the guys, like a bunch of like the talent for that the the territory then had left. Like they left. Yeah, like Robert and so, Fuller and um a bunch of guys just disappeared off TV like <laughs> right around this time. Mm-hmm. And then, because there's like an episode right after this where like um, Latham and Ferris like take over the TV with like Danny Davis mm-hmm. and they're on TV a lot. And then like you can tell by like the matches. Now you have to understand if you're if you're if you ever watch old Memphis. So there's two versions of Memphis TV. There's the hour and a half version that aired in Memphis, and then there is like the Evansville and Louisville feeds that are only an hour. So when you when you watch the old TV, it's hit or miss what you get. And especially in like the 79 stuff, like you don't always get the full episode because it's just what people have been able to scrounge together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the footage is um, incomplete. Yeah. yeah. But Honky's story was that a bunch of guys had, had basically left. There wasn't as many uh, – people there anymore and so jared came to them like that day because they were just starting to like to work with the territory and jared came to to him and um latham and obviously like lawler and dundee and it's like look we really need 
we need something special for this match uh, because we need we need to get people like invested more into the territory again. And so this was this occurred on like a Friday night. Mm-hmm. This uh, particular show was on a Friday night in Tupelo, and they went out there and then they obviously they had the match, but then I guess it was their decision probably with a little bit of prodding by, from Jerry Jarrett to just go hog wild and like fucking insane. And I think they just, it seemed like they just probably just ran with it. Like they, yeah. they, they, they were progressing like, all right, let's go, let's go to the concession stand in the moment thinking like this, let's just have like a crazy insane brawl and see where it goes. And according to honky, it's like they did that on a Friday night. Uh, shit obviously went crazy. They mm-hmm. got a lot of buzz from people because the next day, they aired it on the TV. They had right. enough. They had enough time to kind of take the footage that was taken, cut it up, put it on the TV. Uh, and Brad had said like they aired this like three weeks in a in a row or something like that. But they aired it on the TV. And according to Honky, is that uh, they did a taping that Saturday night or a show that Saturday night at least, and then Monday they also did a show. And he said that that Saturday night, literally just hours from when it was airing, uh, Monday, uh, sorry, Saturday morning. TV that people were so like enthralled by what happened with the concession stand brawl that they it was a sold out like packed you had to turn people away at the yeah. Saturday night show and then the next day like that that Monday it was which was the next show kind of like the same thing like people were just going crazy like they they, they sold it out like people mm-hmm. all of a sudden things became like red hot yeah. Well, mm. you see a brawl like that, and you're like, holy crap, that mm-hmm. might happen again. I've got to be there for that. And it, it's I, I had been part of like uh, one thing like that that helped. Mm. And it's if, if you have a wild brawl like that, that's out of the, see if it's like that every time, then it becomes the expected and it's not special anymore. But if you have a wild ball, brawl that breaks out like just very occasionally then it's like oh man you know you guys are really uh really at it and i they i guess they stayed up all night to edit it because didn't they didn't they air it like 10 hours after it actually took place yeah, that's what he said it was like 10 hours afterwards yeah i mean that's that's yeah. bonkers yeah um but it, you know it, you watch this and I don't have a, the best analog. Um, I was in a few street fights that it was kind of like, let's see where it goes. And one of them was in this community center that had a track up at the top. And so we spilled out all over the damn place. And it wasn't planned. It wasn't being like, oh, we're going to go up on the track. It's just like, we're just kind of going where we go. And um, I used to have footage. I might still have a DVD of it somewhere. But, uh, you know, it was the first bad chair shot I ever took. Um, But this, you know, they're brawling and they get over there. And I can imagine that one or the I can't remember who did it, but just looked and like did the head to the apron bit on the counter. And the guy rolled in. He's just like, hell, let's do it. And just started grabbing for stuff. And and suddenly you have the concession stand brawl. Um. So, yeah, I totally buy not planned at all. You just went with it and the well, crowd's eating it you, up. So you just keep going. You can tell in the second one that um, they did not tell the concession stand workers because you can <laughs> no, hear like didn't. the owner screaming the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. They're in there. and They're like, what are you doing? 
<laughs> I know. The one woman's like scree like screeching the whole time. It's hilarious. I mean, I feel bad for her, but it's hilarious. The in the second brawl that I referenced earlier, they loved spraying condiments everywhere. And all I can, and, and while they're doing this, all I can think, I'm the condiment king. <laughs> I don't know. I, know. I, I felt bad for Masafuchi because Gilbert and Morton were just whacking the shit out of him with that broom. Yeah. And they weren't like pull, they weren't like pulling it like they were just going to town on him. Yeah, no, no, there was no, yeah, there's no pulling it in a case like that. You just do it. And then, um, um what was I going to say? Oh, um, Lance Russell had quite the line during this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I got to. I thought that was kind of funny because it's like it's it's two, um, two Japanese workers in Onita, which I was shocked to see like a, a young Onida, I'm used to like deathmatch Onida. No, this but... is this is um this is you can see FMW like forming in his brain as this match is yes, going on. Yes, as this was going on and, and everyone's bleeding like a stuck pig. Like Onida's probably like, oh shit, I like this. <laughs> He's yeah. probably like getting ideas, no, taking uh, mental it, notes. I, I'm not kidding when I say this. Memphis influenced like everything deathmatch in the '90s. Goes yeah. back to Memphis. Well, I mean, to step back to like the Honky interview. Honky, he was being like um, arrogant. He was like, people have told me, like, we started Deathmatch Wrestling. And it's like, I don't know that we did, but I think we did have a very controlled, like, pre-Deathmatch like deathmatch type of match, which is kind of accurate. But um, Lance Russell had a comment where it's, I guess, uh, I think it was... It was Anita. No, it was Pucci. It was Anita. No, it was... yeah, it was Anita. It was Anita. It was Anita. Like, Anita got mustard put on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lance, innocent, like, Lance, this is just like, he's talking off the top of his head. But it's it, obviously it's Japanese, Asian person and yeah. lance russell goes oh he's got yellow everywhere and it's like oh that's probably like that kind of language you get canceled nowadays you know what he probably looked like when he did that is booker t when he called hogan the n-word on live tv he just yeah. kept his hand and went, oh god <laughs> i get though lance russell uh fantastic in this because he's yeah. he's so good and again i love it when he's just like oh my god all right Let's get the cameras rolling over here. It's like he giving like direction. Yeah. It's stageless, yeah. as as Shad said. Oh, and, and uh, poor Tojo Yamamoto got the shit kicked out of him. Oh yeah, he did. He got he was bleeding. I know. Yeah. Everyone was bleeding in this. It was this. Uh, it was bonkers. And then because the, I I like the first one a little better, but they go to town on each other in this one. Kind of unlike the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they were definitely laying things in and that poor concession. Cause this is, this is, this is the same concession stand that they're doing this in. Yeah. It, you can tell it's the exact same one. Yeah. Um, and then not again. Oh God, not again. Cause I don't know what it would have to clean that out. All I can think is you would have had to bring in the hose. No, because this know. time like they're slipping and sliding on the the ground too, because they have like mm-hmm. so much ice and like, like ketchup <laughs> and mustard and just water everywhere. Like, so when you see the guys walking towards the end, like you can see them like sliding and stuff. Yeah. 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 So, um, the third one, Oh, and like Eddie Marlin's out there and like all these like people that are officials are there and like, they're getting, you know, trying to like pull them apart and stuff, which a- actually adds to it. And 
and Lance Russell's really good at pointing them out to you too, like who's who and everything. That's true. He's he's really good at at marking it who's doing uh who's doing what. That's but um the third one was not in Tupelo. No, this was in somewhere in Missouri. Yeah. Uh, this was Lawler and Jeff Jarrett versus the Moon Dogs. So the quality and, of this one hurt it. I don't know if it's just like the person that uploaded it, but like when they got in the concession stand, you really couldn't see much of what they were doing, which sucked. They didn't stay in the concession stand as much either. No. Um, they like the wall. They like tossing people into the wall. And yeah. uh, Jerry Lawler loved that flipping broom in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He absolutely adored that broom through this whole fight. And there's, like, uh, there's trash cans, too. There are so many trash cans. Now, the other side to it is I loved the trash can throwing. I absolutely because they weren't just it, it wasn't like what you might see on, on on TV currently where you go into the ring and you come out with this metal trash can that's empty. They're grabbing full ass trash cans and just winging them at each it, other. So there's garbage. It's everywhere. like um, it's like um. <laughs> It's like when you watch ECW and Sabu just like wings a chair right in some guy's face. Yeah. Like it's like so that. It, it was a, um, you know, you, you see the trash cans flying a lot and you see the trash falling out of them a lot. But I really liked that. That was. Um, and the wall of police holding the fans back was also like yeah. a nice touch. I mean, you had to, but, you know. So. Uh, also, the fans had a habit of not moving fast enough when people started coming at them. Well, I mean, they hadn't been trained that you need to flee for your life when the wrestlers <laughs> get in the crowd. When the moon dogs are coming. Yeah. Um, who was the guy that they were beating the shit out of? Like the random guy. Oh, I don't remember who it was. Did they say? I don't think it was the ref, was it? I, I don't think so. Oh, he got. He was a. <laughs> He Somebody some, was catching it. Yeah, he got. Some was it the? W- w- was it um the Moon Dogs manager maybe? I don't know enough about the Moon Dogs, uh, honestly to know. I know they had a manager I, in the USWA. I don't have. I was telling you guys, I don't have like the the match listings, and I, I haven't fully been able to like explore this, but I have heard that like the Lawler Jarrett Moon Dog feud from. Like I think it was like late '80s, early '90s. Was I've heard that that's like a fantastic view because it was just like bloody brawls everywhere. Yeah, I mean it's Memphis, so they're gonna be bloody. Yeah. Uh oh, we we can't forget a high point in this match. Lawler tries to drown one of the Moon Dogs in the sink in the back of the concession stand. You can't see. Oh yeah, you can't see it very well, but you can hear that. I don't know who the commentator was. The guy's doing Maglin. his dead level best. He's 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 trying really hard, but he's he's uh, it, it's just a touch too much over top of it. But you look and and the back of the concession stand is kind of um, dark. It's kind of dark, but you can kind of hear the water and you see Lawler's got two handfuls of one of the moon dog's heads. And he's like holding his head in the sink like he's trying to drown him back there. And I, the only thing I can think is that's a great spot. Of course you would try to do that. And, and there's also a fun callback of um, the first Tupelo concession stand because two of the original participants are in this match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, this 
they're the brawls are fun to watch. They're I can tell you from experience, they're 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 kind of rough to do one, but they're they're fun to watch. Well, this is kind of Memphis in its like purest insanity. That's why <laughs> that's why it's so beloved by like people that have watched it and stuff, just because like you literally don't know what you're gonna get at any moment. Didn't they have uh, WCW Uncensored in Tupelo like every year or something as kind of an homage? I think it was there once, at least. Okay, at least once. But that's that's fun. You didn't, you know, something that struck me is you didn't see much goofy stuff in this. You didn't see anybody doing a goofy spot in it because I'm, they were presenting this as just a blood war. Yeah. Like we, you guys are going to war. You're gonna fight. The one of the last street fights I was in, I even goofed a little bit in that one, even though we we're supposed to hate each other because I couldn't help myself. But these guys didn't do any of that. Man, yeah, but these were a fun diversion because um, they're just different. Like, and you they're not that long. Yeah, well, I mean, that you can't go long with these, but um, yeah, I I enjoyed these a lot. Each are only like about ten minutes each. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, and this is not a criticism, they felt much longer. They felt like I was watching like 20-minute matches because each one in its own way has so much insane shit that's just <laughs> mayhem mm-hmm. that I was I, – I at one point like paused it, and I was like, oh, god. How long has this been going on? Like they've been just be- beating the shit out of each other, and I, and I looked at the pause, and it's like only five minutes has elapsed. It's like, what? Because <laughs> if this – because you almost feel like you have to watch it again to catch every, like, thing that's going oh, yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, there is so much happening at a given time that you are trying to keep up with everything. It is so chaotic that it's hard to keep up with everything going and on. It, it's not like WWE. Like, they don't – like, literally, it's up to the cameramen to, like, figure out what to do with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just just – Pull the camera back and try and catch everything you can. Yeah, but it's so. insane. Like I, I agree with you, Matt. Like th- there was one point, I'm like, wow, this feels like a, I'm, I'm about towards the end of this video, and I was like four minutes in, just because it's like it's intense, like just constant fighting, mm. and you're kind of yeah. enraptured by it though, just because it's like, wow, this is like a train wreck that just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. So. That's Tupelo Concession. You can find them on YouTube, and they're fun to watch. But um, before we ed- go out, I, we want to say to everybody out there, if, if this is the first – if you're listening to this one, we have to assume you've been with us on the ride at least a little bit. And the fact that we've made it this far um, is just really cool. It, it's – I don't – when we started this, I don't know – if you had said, you know, you're going to get 200 weekly episodes, we'd be like, are we really? Although, to be fair, we might just say that, you know, we've had it's been 3.8 years. And there may have been 2.8 years of good episodes because <laughs> uh, the first ones yeah. were a little rough. Yeah. But, um, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's I would say, though, with a podcast, if you can get like past about 20 weeks, it kind of becomes a habit and it's easier to yeah. keep putting and, stuff out. This has been um, – I think I can say this for all of us. This has been you know, a real touchstone for us, and it's, it's a real pleasure to do. And I, I hope that everybody 
listening at home in the car where, you know, at the gym, whatever, I hope you really enjoy it too. Um, cause, cause we really enjoy doing it. Like this, this, there's just so much fun stuff that we get to dig into that we may not have before. And so much, um, you know, just getting to have some, getting to have fun cutting up on some of this stuff. It's, it's really, a, it's special. Yeah, it's my, it's kind of like my creative outlet and my, um, my socializing for the week uh, yeah. for me. And I look forward to it most weeks. And if I'm having like a shitty day, like this is always a, uh, you can actually tell when all of us are super salty because that's usually when we're funnier. <laughs> But um, it's usually like my release for the day. Like if I had a bad day, I know I at least get to come on here and talk about dumb crap for yeah. um, an hour, an hour and a half weekly. Yeah, I think we've I think actually in the last year we've really gotten it together, like as like a team and like as uh, with our like the quality of the episodes. I feel like we've constantly improved and it's way better than the other year. But I feel like about the last year and a half of episodes we've been like really on point mm-hmm. all right matt your turn <laughs> it's all downhill from here yeah. <laughs> no this is the part where we start whoring out for sponsors no, this right? is the part where like the kid has to shoot us because I we wish. have rabies no oh no anyway matt go ahead. <laughs> no, no. That was all I had to say, but yeah, I, I'm down to whore myself out for sponsors. Like I have a, want to buy a new car at some point this year. <laughs> he, he's gonna, Prices he's gonna start kind of crazy right now. So. He's gonna wear his monster gear for the, <laughs> the, the podcast every week. Yes. Oh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thank you for being with us. Um, I think we're we're gonna kind of uh, going forward. There's there's gonna be a reintroductory kind of orientation episode to, to us um here soon yeah, i think we, that's right yeah we're gonna we're gonna do that if you've noticed the episodes have shortened down quite a bit like we're trying very hard to stick to at maximum an hour and 40 and we've been really sticking more to an hour and 20 lately i feel like the episodes are better and our energy stays better for that so we we are going to stick to that. I know if, if you if you like the three-hour episodes, I'm sorry. Like, those are not coming back. We and just don't. That's just a drain. Yeah. That's what that is. And, and I don't think people really want to listen to that. That doesn't make it, like, um, it makes it, like, hard to get into. So we're going to stick to that. Um, we're going to... We're going to branch more into some stuff this year. Like, we're going to do more movie reviews. I think... Um, we have a, a good little list of stuff. I think we, we've been talking about doing comics. That one just hasn't happened for us yet, and I don't know if it ever will. But there's some other topics we want to get into. I'm probably also going to take some of the older episodes off the feed just because we suck in those. And I don't <laughs> like having them out there. So if yeah. you want that first like 52-ish episodes, I would download those now because those are probably going to go away in the next You know what? Better yet, months. just just don't. Just forget that they're there. 
Um, they're not just, good. We just, like our, just don't. <laughs> like we we we've always had a good rapport, but we weren't like great broadcasters. Like we weren't used to doing it. Like a lot of weeks we had tech problems until we really got that down. So, mm-hmm. like there were a lot of times it was like 11:30 at night and we were just dog tired, and you can feel it in the episodes because we used to double record a lot until COVID hit, and I think the show has been better for us doing more weekly records than mm-hmm. the doubles. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for for being on the ride with us. We really do appreciate it. And so for the 200th time, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth and we'll catch you next time.